Yo, what's going on, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Push the Tempo Podcast with Ari and Kyle. I'm your boy, Ari, and I'm with my guy, Kyle. And uh, two quick announcements before we get into this pod. First of all, you know, we changed our network name, so we're no longer ECB Podcast Network. We are now Ho Guys Network. Um, you know, it's an exciting change. We're not going to talk about it too much, but this is the first episode with that Ho Guys Network title. So it's pretty hyped. I'm pretty hyped about that. So that's the first announcement. And the second announcement is the Celtics just whooped the Clippers' ass. And I was just playing a play, Kyle. So, so real quick, real quick. I'm a Celtics fan, and Kyle is a Clippers fan. Um, and we do a little bit of shit talking here, there. But uh, in this pod, we're actually going to be not shit talking each other for the most part, but we're going to be doing a little bit of analysis between that game that just happened a few days ago, as well as talking a little bit more about our two teams. So, with that, get with that out of the way, let's uh, let's get started, Kyle. Yeah, um, final score of that game ended up being 116 to 110. Uh, they played in Boston. Um, you know, it was a pretty evenly matched game throughout. I think there's some things the Celtics did a little bit better. I think their guard play, to me, was like the biggest difference in this game. Um, Derek White, Mark Smart played really well in this game. Uh, and the Celtics, you know, they kind of, after the Clippers took a lead to start the third quarter, the Celtics outscored them in the fourth, 32 to 7. Uh, 32 to 25, sorry, seven point, you know, differential. <clears throat> and the Celtics, you know, were able to win the game. Um, I, I kind of want to hear your perspective, your side of it from like a, a Celtics perspective. And then I guess I'll give mine from a, from a Clippers perspective. Um, well, I thought the Celtics played fine. You know, there's times, or especially earlier in the season where they were so dominant, but it didn't feel like the Celtics were dominating the Clippers for the most part. Um, every time they started to kind of break away, especially in that third quarter, the Clippers just brought it right back. And it was like, it was almost felt like you guys had, like you guys were in pursuit and in position to kind of surpass the Celtics, um, you know, to, to beat them in that game. But nonetheless, you know, the Celtics, like they did play great, but at the same time, I think that kind of speaks volumes to the Clippers as well. Cause you know, like I don't think the Celtics played to the highest standard, that they usually do, but it's a great team that they're playing against in the Clippers. So it's like, like the whole time I was thinking about excuses, like why, why was this game so close? And I couldn't really finger point it because, you know, like the, like Celtics didn't play like amazing, but they also didn't play bad at all. Like, the, in fact, I think that on a scale of one to 10, I think I would give them like an eight and a half, nine, um, where 10 would be like completely dominant. So it, it's it's weird that this game was so close, and I can't really finger put a finger on it. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I I think the Celtics like to me obviously like I just mentioned Marcus Smart and Derek White stood out. I think Derek White hit a really big three at the end of the game, um, to give the Celtics a big lead. He also had like a really clutch block on Paul George. Um, I think one thing to me from the Celtics perspective that stood out is they really they took advantage. And they, they really attacked the weak points in the Clippers' defense today. Um, whether it be, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown shooting over, you know, the Clippers' guards like Luke Kennard, Norman Powell, Reggie Jackson. Um, or whether it be them when the Clippers are playing small, you know, and some of the lineup stuff we'll get into later. But when they were playing small, Jason Jalen Brown in particular was going right, right into the paint and, and getting whatever he wanted in that fourth quarter at the rim. You know, he didn't hit any threes, but he still finished with 29 points, you know, on – 12 of 25, which is still is great because he went 0 for 8 from 3, but that didn't matter because, you know, he was so good in every other spot. Um, you know, Tatum, I think he did a ton of damage in the third quarter. I had to go look, about, look back at the stats, but I felt like he was really 
cooking in that third quarter. Um, but, you know, outside of those two, and obviously Derek White and Marcus Smart, I just think this was a very well-rounded game for the Celtics. Um, they, they, I think they really executed well, um, you know, and took advantage of, like, the weak points on the Clippers roster that we'll talk about in a bit. But, yeah, um, I guess from there, I, I, I kind of want to go into what I saw from the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi played played really well, I thought. You know, uh, I think he had 26 and 8. I would have liked him to shoot more in the fourth quarter. I th- something uh, we'll talk about later. But, like, him only getting two shots in the fourth is kind of crazy to me. I think Paul George played relatively well. Some of the turnovers late kind of were a pain. And I would like to see him rebound a bit better. Um, but, you know, that that is what it is. I thought Ivita Zubats was really good today. I, I thought he didn't play enough. He only played he, a little under 30 minutes, like basically 30, 29 minutes and 57 seconds. Um and I thought Norman Powell's offense was very good today, but the defense, the defense we'll get into, you know, we only had Nick Batum for, for eight minutes because he sprained his ankle, uh, which was a big loss for us. And, and um, yeah, I kind of want to hear what you think about the Clippers. And then I guess we'll talk more about them after that. Well, it was, it was kind of weird. So I was just looking at the box score right now. It felt like Paul George was driving a ton to the basket. I mean, he was hitting a couple of mid-range shots, but it also felt like he was going straight to the basket. But when I checked the box score, he only had one free throw. So that that that's one thing that really stood out to me. Other than that, like, it, again, just to kind of reiterate, it felt like it was a punch for punch at a certain point in this game. And aside from, like, Kawhi and PG kind of somewhat matching um, Tatum and Brown, I mean, Zubats was the other guy that kind of stood out to me. He was, he was a menace. Like, every time, like, a Clipper would put up a shot, and they shot relatively well from three. I think they shot, like, 36%, which is, you know, that's great. That's fine. I mean, Celtics shot 28%. So they definitely beat out the Celtics there. But even when they did miss, it felt like Zubats was there to get an offensive rebound. Um, and he was just a monster. Like, I felt like if I were to be uh, like a Clippers coach or whatever, like, I would want Zubats to just post up every play. That's how dominant he felt in that game. Like, it might not look like it with the with the stats that he put up, but he was just every like, I was scared of him, man. I was it felt scared like, of this guy. It felt like in the third quarter, because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Robert Williams is still on a minutes restriction. I think he only played like how many minutes did he play? Like maybe twelve. He played. Or, he actually played twenty one minutes. Twenty one. Okay, yeah, uh, it was either twelve or twenty one. Got the numbers mixed up. But every time in the third quarter, in particular, is where Zoo stood out. Um, you know, as a as a guy who can, you know, take advantage of the mismatches. There were times where you know, he would get Grant Williams switched onto him, and you know he got the ball in the post. And you know, I don't, I don't want to overrate zoo just because he's on the team i think he's a very very good player though like um you know early in the year he was playing at like a legitimately all defensive player like level he, he's dropped off a little bit um you know as the season has went on his game against toronto was like his first like really great game in a while and i thought he was very good today but didn't reach that same level he did in toronto um but you know i thought i thought he was probably our third best player today um but yeah uh i i guess from there, I I'll, I guess we'll start talking a little bit more about the Clippers' in depth this season. Um, you know, on the year, I believe they are the the third ranked defense in terms of defensive rating and the 29th ranked offense, uh, which is not you know what you'd expect. But I I think there's a little bit of context behind them being 29th in offense. Um, I think that's more so just because we've had a very up and down years in terms of injury. You know, I think Kawhi has only played like 15 games. Paul George and Kawhi have only played together, I think, a total of 
I, I guess, maybe 15, 12, 13 times, something like that. Um, so, you know, with those guys being so in and out of the lineup, we just don't necessarily always have great creation outside of those two. Norman Powell missed like a month with like a, a groin injury. And, and um, you know, I, I kind of want to hear your perspective on, on what they've been able to do this season. I mean, it, this is such a weird team because, you know, going into a couple years ago when they got Kawhi and PG, everyone kind of brought them off as like a championship level team. And, you know, of course, because of bad luck and, you know, everything, all the shit that goes on in the NBA, like they haven't been able to have those two healthy and kind of get to that level. But just having those two on your team and if they're healthy, you have to write them in as a championship level team. Well, they started the season off kind of, um, you know, it's weird because Kawhi, like he missed a bunch of games after supposedly being healthy. So, again, we didn't really get to see the full capabilities of this team. And it's just... I don't know. It's just, it's just it's just hard to tell what they are. Like, are they that championship level team? Are they just like a team with a bunch of good role players and you know two all star level players, not superstars? Like, it's it's hard to see like like what level they're on. You know what I mean? Like, I can't I can't be able to judge them just because. I mean, we we have a sample size, but you know this team. It's just a team where it's it's hard to kind of gauge their level of talent. Like you have to wait to the end of the season. You have to see how they do in the playoffs. So that's that's where I'm at with this team. You know, they have a fun team overall, but you know, I just got to see more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I guess I guess from there, um, we'll start talking about the team a little bit more in depth. And you know, stop me if I ever get on a tangent. But I, I think this year has been pretty frustrating to watch the team you know we've had some good wins um you know we beat the the Cavs at the start of the year we didn't have Kawhi that was when the Cavs were like eight and two or whatever you know we beat the hell out of the Raptors just recently but the Raptors aren't a good team um we beat the Celtics a couple weeks back you know that was one of the maybe two or three best wins of the year um but overall man this season has just been very frustrating um I guess the three things that stand out to me have been, you know, one, the lack of a backup center. Like, in this game, we won. I think Zubats was a plus 10, and we lost the fourth quarter minutes that he didn't play. He only played, like, three minutes in the fourth quarter, which I'm which is, I'm, I'm sure, is something you noticed as well. Um, while the Celtics were just getting whatever they wanted in the paint, Zubats was sitting on the bench. Um, he has, like, you know, we don't have a backup center right now. The guy that we have as, like, a two-way contract who's our backup center, Sometimes he plays sometimes uh, Moses Brown, you know him. He was with the Celtics for a very short period. He's not an NBA player. Um, he's had like maybe two good games uh, against like, the Houston Rockets who are like the an NBA AAU team, basically. Um, another thing that has really, really been an issue for us this year has been our point guard play. <clears throat> Reggie Jackson. I know a lot of Clippers fans, you know, love Reggie Jackson because of what he means to the team and what he did in 2021. Uh, but he's been really, really up and down this year, more down than up. Um, in this game against the Celtics, he was getting hunted on defense. He shot three of nine. He had one really, really bad shot. Um, I think he caught the ball. Paul George got grabbed, rebound, pushed in transition. Reggie caught it in the corner. He pump faked Jalen Brown. It fell a bit for the pump fake. He got him out of position. 17 seconds on the shot clock. Instead of driving, he... Did a step back three, hit the side of the backboard. Yeah, that was a disgusting shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a, a really, really just boneheaded play. And the issue we've seen 
way too much of that from Reggie Jackson this year. And John Wall, um, I think a lot of Clippers fans had really high hopes for John Wall. Me personally, I saw him coming in as a guy who could, you know, who has weaknesses in his game, but if he can push the ball in transition, and which has been a weak point for us in the past, and get to the get into the paint, get to the free throw line, though that's really all we need from him. Um, and in the month of December, let me read you off his numbers real quick. He has averaged 10 points um, on 35% from the field, uh, 37% from three, and 72% from the line. So he's really, really struggled in the month of December. And he's kind of become a little bit of a scapegoat for Clippers fans. And I don't I, – I, I understand it. I don't really think it's his fault because it's not his fault that he's being put in this position where he's playing this much. He probably shouldn't be. And – he wasn't really that bad in the Celtics game. I, I thought, you know, he had some mistakes, but he was fine in, like, the limited minutes he played. Uh, you know, so so point guard play has been an issue. And the third thing has been just some of the, the rotations that Ty Lue has tried this year. Um, I, I want to ask you a question real quick, and I, I want you to guess. Take a guess how many minutes Robert Covington, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George have played together this year. The all season. Um, those three on the court at once. So, so here's the thing. I've been asking you – since probably the beginning of the season, dude, how come Robert Robert Covington doesn't play? Like you know me, I'm a big Covington fan. You know, I I've been saying hypothetically for like the past two years the Celtics should try to get him, but it's just seeing him get a bunch of DNPs is crazy. You know you what got, I mean? You got a DNP again, but I want yeah, I want yeah. you to I want you to try to try to guess how many minutes. Right, right. Play. So this this is all part of my my thinking process. So of course PG and Kawhi haven't played that many games together, and then right, and then of course you know Covington has a bunch of DNPs. It wouldn't be surprising if it was an extremely low number to me, but I mean, I, I can't. I don't know if I could ballpark this. Do they even have like three games worth of minutes together? No, it's a lot lower than that. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, give me, give me a number. Just, uh, give me a number. All right, if it's a lot lower than that, can can we go like I don't know, thirty minutes? Thirty minutes divided by ten. What three minutes together? Three all season. We are at almost 40 games into the year. Um, I don't know. What's our record right now? Um, 30 games into the year, the Clippers, Robert Covington, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard have played. Let's see. They played 35 games. They played three minutes together all season. That, um, that That's pretty stupid. <laughs> and and my, my, thing, my thing is I think Covington, like one of, the, one of the misconceptions about him in his career, I think one of the reasons he's gotten traded around so much and hasn't been able to st- been able to stick. As people get him, they think he's this wing stopping player. He's a guy who can defend on the perimeter. He that's not who he is, right? We know he's a guy, <clears throat> you know, who struggles to stay in front of people on the perimeter. He's what he what he brings as a defender is he's an elite help defender, not elite, but very 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 good help defender. You know, he has great hands. Uh, he's very smart with positioning and whatnot. He can test a lot without being without fouling. He's a streaky shooter. Um, so I, I can understand Ty Lue not wanting to go with him for 30 minutes a game. I get that. I would I probably wouldn't either. But him being a DNP and basically being firmly out of the rotation to me just doesn't it doesn't work. Like it's it's just I think his handling of the situation has been really bad. And the stuff he's been trying to prioritize, and I'm sorry I'm going on a little bit long. Um, but stuff he the stuff he's been trying doesn't really work for me either. Um like like we saw against the Celtics. Uh, he's, he played a three-guard lineup um, out there 
and it got fried. Like it got absolutely fried. Three yard lineup it, against a great team. It doesn't work. We against the Pistons to end the first quarter. We played a four guard lineup with Paul George at center. So four guards and Paul George when Jalen Dern was on the court, and we got killed oh, on the offensive glass. Dern. To to the, to the surprise, monster. yeah, exactly. To the surprise of absolutely nobody, we got killed in that lineup. Um, so just some of the stuff he's been trying, you know, he still, you know, probably thinks it's 2021. He's still prioritizing Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson. They're playing way too many minutes. Like you saw in that Celtics game yesterday um, when we were playing without Zubats on the floor in the fourth quarter and Marcus Morris was at center. That's really when Jalen Brown was able to get into the paint, get whatever he wanted. Marcus Morris, I, I know there's some Clippers fans who love him. I, I kind of just, I'm out on Marcus Morris. I kind of just want him traded. I think he's a, I think he's a very, very limited player. And I think he's a bit of an overrated offensive player as well. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you go. I want to know your thoughts on, on the Clippers so far this year. Okay. So let, let's get on to talking about some of the issues that you talked about. So first of all, you talked about, you know, their backup center. I mean, there's really not much that they can do with Moses Brown. So I don't know if I can give him a pass on that. Um, me and you both actually texted each other about um, uh, Diabate. I don't know if that's how you say his name. But uh, he was a huge energy guy. So he's definitely a guy that, I mean, if you're going to give minutes to Moses Brown, might as well give him a shot. You know what I mean? Like, he's definitely worth, you know, giving him a look to, especially with Ty Lu messing around with the lineups a lot giving him a look to kind of try things out and give him a shot because again, we texted during that game and we saw it like the energy he brought the offensive rebounding he brought. So I feel like he could be a lot more effective as a backup center, you know, maybe give him five, 10 minutes, let him see, see how he does. That's the first thing. The second thing we, we talked a little bit about the, you know, the point guard issue. Um, you know, there's not really much you can do with Reggie Jackson, John Wall. John Wall was pretty non-existent in that game. And you mentioned that, you know, this is probably one of his better games, you know, as a Clipper, which is kind of sad because, you know, he, dude, honestly, when he was on the court, I really didn't feel anything from him. Like, I honestly completely forgot about him. He had like this one good play where, uh, you know, Scali Brini in the broadcast goes, oh, that's the John Wall we know. Like he, he drove by everybody, flew by, and then legit camera cut out to John Wall. And next thing you know, Jalen Brown did the same thing on the other side. But um, yeah, other than that, like John Wall felt like a nobody. Um, and then the last thing you mentioned was the the rotations. I don't really know what Ty Lue sees in Marcus Morris. You know, he was on the Celtics as well. He at certain times actually hit it like a bunch of good shots, um, tough shots at times that we needed it. But in this game, it kind of did not feel like he was doing that same thing. You know, looking at the starters um, and how efficient they played for the most part, He's kind of the one that really sticks out. I mean, he went five for 13, which isn't terrible. But just kind of looking at some of the shots he was taking and some of the things he was doing, I don't know. Like, I feel like having Covington would be a lot better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he might not be as good of a shot creator as Marcus Moore Sr. is, but, you know, he's there to, to kind of stretch the floor. You know, maybe on the defensive end, yeah, maybe he's not the best, you know, all-mod defender. But that's why you got guys like Kawhi and PG. So I don't really know what the situation is there with the Clippers. I don't know if they have to make a move. Again, they have a ton of nice role players. You know, I didn't really see a ton of Terrence Mann, who me and you both really like. And I've I've been hearing a ton of good things from Brandon Boston. Like apparently he's like so, the G League. So um I guess I guess I'll I'll touch on that Diabate point 
at first. He's also on a two-way contract. So if you don't know, uh, two-way players can only dress for 50 games in a year, like in a regular season. And then they have to be they're offered a, a legitimate contract and then they're on 10 days or whatnot. So I don't know how many. He's maybe dressed for 12 or 13 games. Um, I like him a lot as a player, but he just even on the court right now, he, he looks a little overmatched physically for centers. Like you put him next to like Nicholas Batum, and they're basically the same size. Like he's maybe a little bit taller, six foot ten, but he's still very thin. Um, I don't know if he can be somebody you can consistently rely on to play backup center minutes. Like he's shown flashes, and you know I'm excited for what he can be in like a year or two. But right now, I don't know if he can be that. So it's up to the front office to go sign a backup center because we're trying the small ball stuff and it doesn't work. You not not to kind of cut you off, but. It looks like you guys really miss Hartenstein, huh? Yeah. Um, so, man, I mean, he's he's kind of been in and out of the rotation in uh, in New York as well. He started off the season really well and it's kind of fallen off afterwards. Um, but you know, it's not it's not impossible that we can you know trade for him. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it. But whatever backup center we get, we gotta get it. We gotta get that done soon. Um, because it's just not working right now. It's not it's not working. Um. Going on the John Wall point that you made, I, I thought, honestly, man, I didn't think he was terrible today. Like, he's been – like, I read you his stats for the month of December. He's really struggled. But I thought he made a couple of good plays. I think there was the one you talked about where he got the layup. He also had a really good contest at the rim. I forget. I think it might have been Derek White who shot he contested without fouling. And he hit an open three. Um, but just the way – just, like, the weaknesses in his game and the holes in his game, it makes him really – it makes it really hard – for him to play next to our two best players because Kawhi Leonard, as we know, he works a lot out of the post. You give him the ball on the elbow. That's where he likes to get busy. And with the way teams defend John Wall, like we talked about it the last time the Celtics played the Clippers and they did it again today. They just put their centers on him. Like the last time, the last time they played in LA, the, the Celtics put Luke Cornett on him today. They put Robert Williams on him. Right. So Teams just clearly don't respect John Wall as a shooter because they shouldn't. He's shooting like 30% from the three this year, and he's never been a good three-point shooter. So that just, you know, it crowds the floor for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And John Wall is not like the the quick first-step guy he was at his peak. He's still very fast in transition, and when he builds ahead of steam, he can still get by people. But, you know, in the half court from a standstill against like good defenders – He's not going to be able to do that. And he's also been really bad in the mid-range. Pull-up mid-range shot has really been bad this year for him. Um, it's also been – this has always also been a weakness in his game. Um, so I, I don't see John Wall as like a contributor outside of very situational points. Like, And it's unfortunate that that he is a guy who – and through no fault of his own, it's because of the stature that he has in this league because he was once a really good player. It's unfortunate that – you know, him, Marcus Morris, and Reggie Jackson because of just the way the coach is prioritizing these guys and whether it's politics or whatnot, you know, those guys are being put in the front of the line over a guy like Terrence Mann who only played five minutes against Boston, which makes zero sense, when the rest of our guard rotation was getting fried on defense and the only one who was com- contributing anything on offense was was uh, Norman Powell, right? Um, yeah, uh, that – and then – and then, like, the, the last part of the coaching point, and I'm sorry I'm going on a little bit long, um, but it's, it's just a lot of the stuff. To me, Ty Lue has had two main issues this year. One, he has gotten stuck in his ways. I, I said it before, he's still living in 2021. And what I mean by that 
is he's still relying way too heavily on Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson for my liking. You know, that year, 2021, Patrick Beverly, he was still on the team. He missed a ton of games because of injury. And Reggie Jackson had to step into the starting point guard role. He played incredible in the playoffs, you know, before we lost to the Suns. Marcus Morris, I don't think he was as important as Reggie and Nick Batum, but he's still a Ty Lue guy. The next year, obviously, was a wash. We didn't have Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jack, Paul George missed like 50 games. Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris were our two main shot creators. This is not 2021 or 2022 anymore. Um, Terrence Mann, going into 2021, we didn't even know what he was in the NBA. He didn't really break into the rotation until January of 2021. Um, Luke Kennard led the, the, led the league in three-point shooting last year in three-point shooting percentage, and he's very close to the top again this year. Um, we've added Norman Powell, who, you know, I, you know me, and, me and you go back and forth about Norman Powell. I obviously he's not a good defender, which has always been your point, but he's a very good offensive player. I think we can both agree on that. He's a very good shot creator, very good at getting into the paint, you know, good, good three-point shooter. Um, and we still have Nick Batum, who it's a little bit concerning to me that Nick Batum might be our third most valuable, maybe third or fourth most valuable player, and he's 34 years old. That is a bit concerning to me. And, you know, we added Covington, who, you know, I just, like I just mentioned, I don't expect him to play 30 minutes a game. But there is some middle ground to me between Covington getting a DNP and Marcus Morris playing 32 minutes. Sorry, sorry, I, I monologued a little bit there, but that's just kind of where I'm at with that. No, you're good. No, that totally makes sense. All right. Um, let me let me ask you a quick question or a series of questions here. So what so we talked about the the three issues with the the clippers that you think really stand out i don't know if there's more issues or whatever but um what what do you think the clippers management should do or the coaching staff should do because i mean to get a backup center you know trade deadlines coming up soon you know tons of players are eligible right now would you make would you make that trade you know it, it seems like you guys have a ton of players and not everyone gets minutes you know we talked about the Covington, you know terrence man blah, blah blah would you make that trade to kind of get a backup center or would you work on you know your point guard depth what would you do so so with the backup center in my opinion you don't need a guy who can play in the playoffs i mean that would be preferable like to have a guy who can also play in the playoffs um but for backup center it's really just a regular season thing if if tyloo is, is hell bent on these small lineups that haven't really worked this year in my opinion um you can go go and sign Hassan Whiteside to a 10-day and see if it works. You don't have to necessarily trade assets for a backup center. Um, I guess with point guard, I, like Ty Lue seems to be insistent on having like a tr- traditional point guard on the floor at all times. Um, if that's the if that is like a sticking point for him, I think we have to upgrade the point guard position because Reggie Jackson to me is not an NBA caliber starting point guard, and John Wall probably isn't a rotation point guard on a playoff team outside of very situational moments. If Ty Lue is willing to, is if he's willing to, uh, I guess, play lineups with players who aren't point guards necessarily, just fill that position, like Luke Kennard or Norman Powell or Terrence Mann, just playing the position to have them play off ball next to Kawhi and Paul George, that would also work. Um, I, that, I'm not opposed to that. You know, uh, I just mentioned Terrence Mann is, uh, I just mentioned Luke Kennard is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Norm Howe, I just talked about, he's a great shot creator, great three-point shooter. And Terrence Mann, you know, when he's not settling and when he's not hesitating on three-point shots, he does everything else really well. He's a very good rebounder for his position. He defends. He cuts off ball. He's just athletic. He brings a a level of athleticism 
and just pop that you don't see from a lot of other Clippers. Um, but if if Tyloo, if it's a sticking point for him that he needs a point guard, I think you have to upgrade that spot. I don't know what the upgrade is, to be honest. You know, some Clippers fans I've seen, I've read, tossed around like Fred Van Vliet. Me and no, you have no, talked no, about no, it. Me no, and you no. have talked about it. I, I am, I'm kind of out on him. I, like, me how too. many, how many, how many point guards, small point guards, not named Chris Paul, have we seen agent dog years? And he's also, he also has like the Nick Nurse stench on him, where he's played 38 minutes per game over an 82 game season, so his knees are like mashed potatoes at this point. Dude, he's he's giving me major. And also, vibes, man. also he's been he's been bad. He's been really bad. Not just this year, he was really bad after the All Star break last year as well. Right. He's shooting like thirty eight percent from the field, and the biggest issue to me with him is that he's he's eligible for an extension after next season. So you're gonna have to be the team if you trade assets for him. You're gonna be have like and, uh, to me trading first round picks for him. It's out of the question. I would not do that. But if you're trading players for him, fine, whatever. As you know. But if you're trading picks and stuff, you have to re-sign him. Like you can't let him walk for nothing. Um, and I would be terrified to be the team to have to pay him his next contract. Um, so you know, so that's one guy. I think another guy that's been brought up is like D'Angelo Russell. I think he's better. Like honestly, I think he's been solid this year after a slow start. I wouldn't mind it to be honest, but like maybe like he's like a twenty. But like I still have concerns about him in the playoffs. We've seen what he looked like in his two playoff appearances in his career. Mike Conley is another guy I look at, but he's also a little old, has injury concerns. So I don't know what the solution is if he wants like a traditional playmaking point guard. But a guy who I am intrigued in, interested in, is DeLon Wright. You know, he's not a traditional point guard, but he's a very good defender. He's 6'5". He's been, like, the Wizards have have won when he's been on the court. I think they're like 7-1 and one when he plays. He's just missed time due to injury. He was really good for the Hawks last year. He's a guy I would like for us to try to try to acquire. I don't know how you know, reasonable it is, but that, I guess, I guess that that's kind of where I'm at with that. That's fair. You know, you know, a guy I was looking at um, as a backup center, Mason Plumley. I don't know. I how wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Cause I mean, all you need, all you need is 12 to 14 minutes. That's all you right. need. You don't, you don't need to go trade for like Rudy Gobert, like the Timberwolves did, or, I mean, that was a whole different thing, but you don't need to go trade for the best backup center in the league you just need 12 minutes of competent center play that is not Moses Brown that's how low the bar is in my opinion all right um before we get into this next part let me ask you um a, another quick question all right so at like what point do you make that distinction for this for this season to be either successful where you would kind of run it back with the same core or where it would be a fail where you kind of give up what what what's your expectation basically um, well, I think, uh, it's, it's difficult to say, man. I think if all the correct bus- buttons are pushed with this team, I think we can win a championship. I don't want to say I'm going to write them off. I don't, I don't see them winning a championship this year. I don't see them beating the, the Celtics. Uh, I think we can, I, I really think we can win the West. The West we've talked about this year is kind of like, it's called the Midwest this year, really. The only team that I am I am at all scared of in the Western Conference that I think we could lose to, there's two teams. There's there's Memphis, but they have issues with secondary shot creation, in my opinion. Um, and there's and obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. We talked about him as well. And there's New Orleans. New Orleans terrifies me, like just a team that's that athletic, 
that the, both those teams are great at rebounding, which is something the Clippers struggle with on the offensive glass in particular. They're really bad. Um, those are two teams that worry me. Like we'll talk about the Nets later, but the Nets have been playing really good ball. Um, the, the Bucks, I know they've struggled. They just beat, I think, Minnesota today, but they have the best player in the world. And, you know, if Middleton ever gets back to what he is, they're one of the most terrifying defenses in the NBA. Um, and so I guess those are the f- the four, five, four or five teams that I'm really terrified of, to be honest. I think Denver could beat us. So I, I'd say we're probably like a top seven team is kind of where I'd put us, put us at in the NBA right now. But if we do push all the right buttons, I think, and Kawhi Leonard looks like Kawhi, which, I mean, that's not something we talked about, but he looked pretty good yesterday. Um, I want to know if what, what you think. I thought he, you know, Kawhi looks more like himself, which is encouraging. Um, I just think the variance with this team, depending on, you know, what we do at the deadline and the, the buttons that Ty Lue pushes, I could see us losing in the first round, honestly, to a bad matchup if, you know, the coaching is still not good. But, you know, if we put things together, I could see us making the finals. I don't know if we win there. But like I said, man, the Western Conference is kind of weird this year. The Warriors are, are, have struggled. The Suns just lost Devin Booker for another four, four or so weeks, maybe even more time. The Nuggets defense stinks. And the Grizzlies, we just we talked about them. And the Pelicans, this is their first, like maybe second year. Um, Zion's first year in the playoffs. So it's it's weird. That's kind of it's kind of where I'm at with us as a I guess ranking team. That's kind of funny because I'm in the same boat. You know, I talked about earlier in this pod where I'm like, I can't tell if this is a championship hopeful team or if it's like a first round exit type of team. Um, so I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, my expectations kind of align with yours. I think that they can make a deep playoff run. I don't know if they'll quite get there to, you know, winning the championship. I can see them getting to the finals. I can see them getting to the Western Conference finals. But um, that's that's where I'm at. All right. So one quick question um, before we end this pod. What are your, I guess, what would you say is a complete failure for this season where you would just consider actually blowing up this team and not running it back? Um, I guess... I guess probably a first round exit because we could lose in the second round. I'd be like, yeah, um, the team we played probably just might be better than us. It might be time to, you know, get younger around our two best players. Blowing it up is a little difficult because Kawhi Leonard's trade value is very weird right now. Paul George probably has a little bit more trade value, not because he's a better player, just because he's, you know, he's more of a known commodity in terms of health and whatnot. Um, and it's a, it's a little weird with that. So I guess I guess I'd probably say just like a, a disaster first round where we just just the coaching is bad maybe similar to the bubble I guess I'd say where you know we don't have to go over what the reason was we lost in the bubble but if it's something similar to that happening that's kind of where I'd be like okay yeah this this core just might not get it done um, and honestly I know people don't want to hear it Clippers fans don't want to hear it but you know we were a great team that year in 2019, 2020. But the reason we lost in the bubble was our process was bad all year in the regular season. And in the playoffs, the coach once again, prioritized his guys. And that led us, led us to flame out in the playoffs. And with how the season has gone, the process has been mostly bad again. Uh, the coaches pressed all the wrong buttons for the most part, in my opinion, and he's still prioritizing his guys. It could end the same way. I hope it doesn't obviously, you know, I'm rooting for us. Um, but right, right now it's, it's hard to see them, you know, making a very deep run with, with just how the coaching and, and everything's gone in my opinion. 
but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. You know, it'd be sick if we get like a Celtics Clippers finals. That'd be pretty cool. You know, uh, I think maybe last year, the year before that. You know, I always predict these two teams to kind of bat, bat, uh, butt heads with each other in the finals. I mean, the games, cool. the regular season games have all been very good. Like right, the last right. couple years, outside of outside of the not this game, but the game before, the rest of them have been like right. really, really just show stealing games. I think um, was it twenty twenty or twenty twenty one where. Both the games we played against each other, uh, the Clippers and Celtics ended up in OT. Was I think that... it was 2020. Because in, 20, in 2020, the first game Kawhi Leonard and Paul George played together was against the Celtics. We won that one in overtime. And then in Boston, Boston beat us in overtime. Um, and then the next year, I don't even remember, honestly. I, I, think, that remember... Was, I think that was the last time the Celtics beat the uh, Clippers. But other than that, I think it's no, no, you guys, you guys, You guys beat us in 2020. You guys beat us both times in 2021. Oh, um, and then oh. we beat you both times last year. I think right, right, sure. right. Yeah, so yeah I think that did. was the last time we won. Yeah, it sucks that these two teams only play like twice a year. I, I kind of hate that format, but yeah, yeah. But you know, it is what it is. The games are just right, always right. good, though, for sure. Right. All right. So I guess that's gonna be it for this pod, right? Yep. Sounds good to me. All right. Um, quick shout out to our sponsor, Ghost Trigger. If you guys suck acid gaming, <clears throat> you guys already know what to do. Check out ghosttrigger.com. We're going to leave a link in the description. If you guys want to get a discount code, it's code ECB15 for 15% off. Uh, we didn't change that tag, that discount code yet. So that's probably still going to stay. Other than that, we appreciate you guys for listening to us talking about hoops. You know, we love to do it. We love you guys. You know, appreciate you guys for listening. And with that being said, we'll catch you guys on another pod. Peace.